Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to today's sponsored episode of New Cyber Frontier. On today we have uh, Tim Weil, who is a cybersecurity professional specializing in audit and training. Uh, And also you have your own company and everything, but I'll let you kind of give your, your brief intro of what you do um, and your background for doing that. Hello, Chris. It's nice to be back on New Cyber Frontier. Uh, Just to restate your uh, intro, uh, this is Tim Weil. I'm a cybersecurity professional with uh, Security Feeds, my own private firm here in Denver, Colorado, specializing in training for ISO 27001 related standards and also auditing for professional companies uh, requiring ISO 27001 information security, ISO 27701 uh, privacy information management, and uh, working through uh, uh, international registrar uh, companies called iCertWorks here in uh, the West, and PECB is our parent company. That's a mouthful. Yeah, why do is. people call? Why do people call me up and say hello? Uh, they want someone to give a 360 degree inspection of their information security programs and their privacy programs. That's what I do. Interesting. So when you talk information security, you're talking any industry or within you focus in a certain area. Uh, I've actually had many different verticals, uh, Chris, uh, in the ISO world. As you know, I come from a long consulting background, uh, you know, big four Booz Allen kinds of consulting, uh, uh, about a dozen federal agencies. In the ISO market today, I work with international companies. They can be U.S.-based. They can be Mm -hmm. overseas-based. Those those are the client bases that I uh, touch on. Okay. So... Tell me about this, uh, the ISO 27001, uh, right? Uh, 27001 uh, certification sure, that, and what, yeah, that's what that stand, means. That, yeah, that standard's been around for coming on 20 years, okay? It goes back to the original British standard for the 17999 uh, information security standard and has just grown and been well adapted in the industry over many years. And the last time I looked it up, there were roughly over 25,000 companies internationally certified to the ISO 27001 information security standard. When you talk about what's being secured, what markets, the ISO standard is not an operational security standard. It's a management standard. And it provides an appendix, which is called 27002, which are, uh, if I do my math right, 14 categories and something like 120 controls that get overlaid on a company's uh, existing operation. Your company might already be a PCI company or a HIPAA company or a FedRAMP, a cloud services company. ISO 27001 is a meta standard that looks at the whole overlay of what you are protecting 
not every bell, not every whistle. It gives management the insight to own and operate technology smartly. Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of companies go through this, this certification, but if I'm, let's say I'm a startup company and I've never done it, <clears throat> which I, I have one and we have not gone through this. So you can help uh, educate me on what this would mean for me. Even though I'm pretty familiar with it, I'll play a little devil's advocate and we'll say that, you know, uh, my company has it or doesn't have it. What does that mean for me either way? Good point. So, Chris, I, I look at your company, Block Frame Tech, that I've worked with uh, over the last couple of years and say you guys are a small, medium business. Okay. You might be on that small side, but you're still in the SMB category. ISO 27001, I've audited companies with 12 people in them. Okay. What it does is it provides a well-structured management and documented policy overlay to the practices that you may already have in place. And if your technology, say the blockchain integration technology that I'm familiar with, scales to international markets, then you have a way of uh, giving an attestation to how you own and operate this ecosystem, which it's called an ISMS. You know, we're all about acronyms, Chris, an information management uh, security system, okay? Once you own and operate an ISMS, it's an overlay. It's like a virtualized layer over a small company. I've got somebody that writes policies for me. I have management people who periodically review my program. I have external auditors who come on in and certify to me. And it gives you a validation in the industry that allows you to uh, build markets. Mm -hmm. To also attest at best practices. Okay. To also give your clients the sense that what you're delivering is good housekeeping seal of approval. There you go. Gotcha. So it's all voluntary. Well, when you say it's voluntary, uh, there's a price tag for everything. It's mm -hmm. not like I'm going to just put my uh, company in the pond and see if the boat floats. Mm -hmm. No, because you have gone through an implementation cycle, which is typically speaking six to nine months to get your ISMS up and running. So let's just put it this way, some assembly required, mm -hmm. okay? And there are contractors and firms who come on in and say, you don't have to do it all for XYZ price tag. We can make you look and feel like an ISO company, which I've done professionally in my own work. Mm -hmm. So if, if I am, um, it sounds like that if I'm small and I want and I'm growing, at the point where I need to do international commerce and maybe in certain countries, maybe you can elaborate on that is when I would consider making sure that I can be signed off that I meet ISO 2701. Well, in a, in a, in a long range marketing plan, that may be where you see the best value, right? So um, as you're continuing to build up your uh, very robust services, uh, you know, maybe it's a year out that you want to look at it. But by the way, once you put an ISO 27001 system together, there are other companion systems that companies adapt. 
They don't just go and say, make me look and feel like I'm a secure information system. Mm -hmm. They'll do things like show me that I have business continuity capabilities that are certifiable. Show me that I have uh, privacy management uh, uh, capabilities that are certifiable. Show me that I have engineering services that are uh, certified and and integrated. I'm sure, Chris, you'd be familiar with 9001. Mm-hmm. So what you find is, and I actually recently audited a company, any standard that ends in a zero one, ISO's got uh, thousands of standards, but anyone that ends in a zero one is one that companies adapt, pay money for, and get certified to because they show conformance to the way the standards are written. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I wanted to, um, like I said, the small company, I want to do it, do a tw- ISO 2700. Would I usually become aware of that because a contract that I'm engaging in says, Hey, we want you to be certified in order to do business with us. Yes. You'll see that you know, be written in large type and you can't miss it. So that's when most, and I know I've been through uh, a 9,001 with a large manufacturing company that didn't have it until they required it for some international contract um, and uh, went through it when they had, you know, thousands of employees. So it's, it's depends on, you know, when you need it, I guess, uh, give us some more information of if you're talking to people who are listening to find out when do I need to get involved with this, what yeah, recommendations sure. would you give them? Well, you know, to just we're just talking about getting into the ISO business, right? So the ISO business, again, you and I always have our conversations on American soil. So we like to think that we just sell to our peers within uh, state and national constraints, right? And as long as you're in that market, you'll go like, you know, nobody uh, wakes me up in the morning and tells me I need to be ISO look and feel. On the other hand, the sophistication that ISO brings is a real organizational uh, uh, improvement process. Mm-hmm. It's not just a boat anchor that sits on your business. So you could say the only reason to do it is when the contracts hit, or you could say that one of the reasons to do it is to build efficiency, ownership, mm-hmm. stakeholder reliability. And we're finding this more and more in the boardroom levels today. So let's not just get hung up because it's a line in a contract. Interesting. You could say you could say it's the cost of doing business as well. Cost of doing business. So do you have any stats on what that saves you in a cost of doing business to kind of be aligned with these best practices? Well, to tell you the truth, I really don't want to go down the rabbit hole of the uh, ISO um, certification and val- justification uh, um, uh, discussion, Chris, only because you can go out to Google and you know find 10,000 hits on why do I need ISO 27001. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to you and your clients as if we understand there's a standard and a body of standards out there for best practices. Which are the ones I should be shopping for? And why are we talking about privacy today where we were talking about information security yesterday? Okay, well, let's elaborate on that. I mean, you and I are both working on the di- international digital privacy uh, project here with IEEE, and uh, a lot of uh, people are interested in digital privacy. What does that mean? What is the future of it? it? There's a lot of unknowns, uncertains, and 
not very many people answering those questions. So tell us about that. Well, you know, I, I like to sit back and, and kind of philosophize about the privacy thing. And I'll go like, I don't think there's like anything in the Bill of Rights that say I have to have privacy. <laughs> you know what? I took a couple <laughs> we, of, we have, I used we, to we teach search, some search and seizure, right? I used to teach some criminal justice and forensics classes. And there used to be back before we had computers, uh, certain laws and precedents that said we had rights that we couldn't be prosecuted or we couldn't be violated in certain re regions from the government, but right. not from private companies. Or, right. And so, yeah. and so pri privacy has always been a laissez-faire overlay. It's like everybody does their own thing until we get the size of you know the cyberspace attack surfaces that we have today and the order of magnitude breaches and hacks that we have today. Um, Chris, I gave a talk at Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference this year. Mm -hmm. My topic was on reliability and resilience in networks. I actually um, published a, uh, a special journal on the topic myself. And in talking to everybody, I said, you know, one of the places I've been looking for information has been black holes in outer space. Because as we've seen, you know, just enormous hacks, it's almost like everything I own and operate is uh, taken into across a, a event horizon and is converted from IT matter into dark matter and has no value. Or we, we have things that large now, right? Mm -hmm. We have solar gate. We have the ransomware every day of the week. We have the denial of services attacks. So we have the, the attack vectors in my career, which goes back a long ways. We've never seen it on the magnitude that we see it today. Now, when you say, can I put a, a, a privacy tourniquet on the problems that we have? Chris, it's not about you and me protecting my individual data on my PC. When we know we're targeted every way, six ways from Sunday, by marketers, by banks, by phone companies, by credit cards, all our information is out there. Forget about it. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about is privacy in the context of an organizational entity, a company, mm -hmm. a nonprofit, a university. So you're talking about you know, a privacy overlay that is helping to protect those records that make those companies successful. Mm -hmm. And so the interesting point of the conversation is, I've worked in information security a long time, Chris, like yourself. You know, the industry still likes to hang their hat on doing asset-based risk assessments in order to figure out which machines are going to be vulnerable and hacked and need patching. And that whole conversation about keeping your IT hygiene at the highest levels. Things like the uh, CMMC, for example, that whole DOD overlay, right? Well, one of the conversations when you talk to privacy is, let's talk about data, mm -hmm. right? Let's talk about data as if it was an asset, as if it was a strategic asset to your company, and that you yourselves in owning and operating this information have to make some real board level decisions. Am I a data controller? Am I a data processor? Am I a data custodian? Am I a data subject? There's that whole list of 
terms that mm -hmm. we get into talking about privacy. And that's a little bit where the conversation starts. So, you know, when we're looking at the, the companies and they're saying data asset, I have this chunk of data. That doesn't necessarily say, should they have it, where they got it, who is the data subject, and does that data subject give you permission to have it? Correct. So how do we mesh that part in? Long story short, companies all adapt to privacy in different market constraints. When we said Bill of Rights, let's understand at the highest level, the government is never going to tell us how to run our privacy business. Mm -hmm. They can put out a NIST standard. That's wonderful. That's a guidance document for federal agencies. To those of us in the private sector, you know, we tend to respond to market forces, don't we? Like the California Data Protection Act, the Overseas uh, General Data Protection Act. Mm -hmm. Chris, there are data breach legislation today in all 50 states. Mm -hmm. But the amount of consumer protection don't just think all of my data has been exfiltrated. The amount of consumer protection, like my identity, my social security number, my credit card numbers, all the, all the bits and pieces of this privacy system, right? Um, the organization that depends on your company, right? What's your market forces tell you to do? So one state will say, I go and do NIST privacy. Another one will say, I do California data protection. Another one will say, I do international business. I do GDPR. So what's the nice thing about standards? There are so many. So the 27701 system mm -hmm. is how you build a privacy information management system in your company, not by changing everything that you do already, but by coming in and documenting how well is my data mapped? What is my gap assessment to the standard? What are the artifacts like you said, consent documents and privacy impact assessments? So there are real well-known building blocks to put a, it's called a PIMS uh, implementation together. What's the value? The value is your company is going to say, if you have to do multiple standards, and you can always go look at the big dogs, like go to a Microsoft website and say, how many standards does Azure have, right? Mm -hmm. And Azure has, this, you know, has attestation to every standard on the planet, right? So for them, the market forces are, I need to sell my product where privacy laws are taken more seriously mm -hmm. and therefore getting this accreditation is going to be to my benefit long-term. Okay. So the, the, what is the, what is required to go through this process? Good. I'm glad that you asked that. So where I come in is I'm an auditor. You know, mm -hmm. you invite Tim Weil to come into your firm once you have this privacy information management system up and running for six months. Mm -hmm. So you got to go back to the first six months and say, well, how do I put this thing together in the first place? Right. And so the building blocks are typically you're going to outsource the work. Um, you're going to look at the maturity model of your company. I emphasize this a lot. 
Some companies say, look, all I want is the certificate and just to keep it up and running every year. And other companies will say, this is corporate culture. We have to live by it, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you buy a template package and you write the policies in place that, have, that are required uh, for uh, privacy attestation. Okay, so policies, data mapping, privacy impact assessment, consent documentation, those are all building blocks there. Another thing I'll say is there are also companies that PECB, PECB.com, uh, sponsor who teach the implementation classes. So I wouldn't tell any company to try to roll your own uh, privacy system. Mm -hmm. I tell you to take a smart class, buy a few tools, put the basic housekeeping in place, and then you get accredited. Then you get looked at in what we call a stage one audit. Mm -hmm. I think you're familiar with the process. We look at your paper and say the paper looks good enough. And then you have a stage two audit where they say, well, you talk the talk, do you walk the walk, where they come in and interview you and do a, a professional audit. Let me stop there. I could be going down the wrong rabbit hole. No, that's so if, if now we're looking at privacy, I can see a couple different ways we, we categorize this the privacy of data that you keep for customers, the privacy of your employees, the privacy of your processes that, you know, hide visibility during certain, you know, what happening. How do you, when you're doing a, an overview or looking at, at an organization, do you have a list of all the areas like that, that you look into? Very method. Very good question, Chris. So one of the funny things about the ISO family standards is that there's always like a baseline standard, and then there's like a hierarchy of standards that they sit underneath them. Mm -hmm. So there is a very like intense, uh, detailed standard, which is called 29100. Okay. So 29100 is how to walk the walk and talk the talk of privacy implementation language. You yourself are not going to buy this standard. Somebody who is well-versed in it will come on in and provide you that consultancy. But to come back to your sort of stepping stone approach, the things that we're going to look for when we're coming in to audit you, I'm looking at some of the curriculum here that I did when I taught my class, right? So I, I came in and I said before, Chris, that you know you start off by sort of saying, what is your DNA? Am I a processor? Am I a controller? Right. Mm -hmm. Some and there are new clauses in the standard in this 27701 that are enhancement to the basic ISO 27001 program. So now they bring in the privacy stuff. So they'll say things like, "You're a controller. Do you have conditions and collections for processing data? Mm -hmm. Do you have obligations to?" PII principles. Do you have a design methodology like privacy by design, privacy by default? Do you have a mechanism for PII sharing? You know, Chris, one of the things that happens in all these companies is they say, hey, I'm a credit card company. Hey, this bank over here wants to pay me some money and share my credit card data with them. Mm -hmm. Happens every day. Okay, they have to have structured agreements in place for that kind of data relationship, right? Gotcha. Um, and those are just, you know, what are, what are the lawful basis for your processing? So there are clauses for processors 
and there are clauses for collectors, right? So you said and there something that was interesting. You said even the 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 right to sell data from one company to another is something that needs uh, to to be identified, be structured, have all the agreements in place, and that's part of the the the, the standard. A hundred percent, yes, sir. Interesting. Yeah, I always wonder uh, that you, you see when you buy something from a, a consumer company, and next thing you know, your, you know, your there's a advertisement on your phone for a similar product, and you realize that you bought something from one company, and five other other companies seem to know that you are interested in a particular area. And I actually did an ISO uh, consultancy to a company that was just in that business. Mm-hmm. So they had a bit, they had a hey dupe environment, a big data environment. Uh, they had contracts to financial institutions to share credit card data. Mm-hmm. Using credit card data, they could say, my friend Chris likes red shirts, um, a certain kind of beer, and drives this kind of car. And that information will show up on your cell phone and you'll say, where did that come from? Right. Yeah. None of this is a surprise to us that we've been doing this now for a long time. Right. So what is, if we look at privacy and the ethics in it, um, is there anything that, that says, okay, yes, we can, you know, you can do this. We can help you arrange these contracts, these agreements or whatever, but should you be? So you know, there are companies out there that are smarter than Tim Weil to tell you the answer to that. And I'll plug one here because I think, you know, Janelle Shah and her company is Privacy Swan. Mm-hmm. Okay, here in uh, Colorado area. Um, those companies are the kind of companies you go to to get that kind of consultancy, right? I come in six months, a year later and say, oh, I see you put a basic system together. Let's kick the tires. Let's go through it end to end. Let's judge your conformancy to the standard. And if you put in the due diligence, most mm-hmm. companies don't fail these audits, right? That's they come right. out and they have a continuous improvement cycle. When you get into the ISO program, you're, you sign up for a four-year hitch, Chris. Any ISO standard, you sign up for certification, surveillance year one, surveillance year two, recertification. And so that DNA stays a part of your organization long-term. Interesting. Okay. So um, as we kind of reach towards the, the end of our, uh, you know, our, our time here, how would somebody engage you? What type of services you offer? Give us some some information, and we'll we'll link it in the in the write up as well. But uh, of you know how people would reach out with you out to you and get involved. Thank you, Chris. Well, I will have a, I'm going to create a new landing page on my Security Feeds website. It'll probably be like securityfeeds.com/slash/privacy or competencies. I'll send you that note, and then what I will do in structuring that, I'll provide people sort of a stepstone like. Where can I find more information on the 27701 privacy standard? Mm-hmm. Where can I find the training on how to implement these programs? Where can I find the competencies I need? Uh, that's a really good project for security feeds, uh, Chris, and I'll, I'll put that together. But if your listeners out there are already sort of ISO savvy, they can reach out to me at tweil at securityfeeds.com. That's uh, my uh, corporate address. And uh, there's plenty I can uh, promote back to you. 
So more to come on the broadcast news, Chris. I really just appreciate talking to you and NCF all the time. I think you guys have a great program, great audience, and uh, let's make them a little bit more privacy smart out there. Definitely. It's going to be a topic that we weave in more and more um, where privacy as, as the main topic instead of security or in, in, you know, in, uh, along with security because there's, there's such a demand out there. And when you pull it apart, you know, security is kind of the implementation of what you determine your privacy posture to be. And as you and I both know, just the last word on this subject, you know, the, um, the gatekeeper in all this are the legal departments. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for joining today, Tim. We definitely appreciate it uh, as always and uh, wish you the best and have a great day. And from Security Feeds, uh, securityfeeds.com, Chris, thanks for sponsoring me and bringing me on your show today. All right. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, bye. bye. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at NewCyberFrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.